Welcome to the awesome pod mix. You're listening to Abby. The idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and TV shows made me feel when I watched them for the very first time. A reputed filmmaker once said, "When a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amidst a large audience, it's the triumph of the filmmaker." That's the magic of cinema. I love the magic of cinema. Today I'll be discussing the 8th episode of Marvel Studios' WandaVision. It's Marvel's first offering in phase 4. Whether Marvel creates movies or TV shows, they are all cinematic. The eighth episode is titled "Previously On." It also begins with Wanda's voiceover, "Previously on WandaVision," which is no longer happy. The Marvel Studios logo turns purple and silver from red and silver previously, and transitions into a mystic purple smoke in Salem, Massachusetts, 1693. It's a witch trial. Cloaked women drag Agatha to the stake and tie her. We see a woman supposedly the head of the coven sporting the same brooch we've seen Agatha slash Agnes sport all this while in the previous episodes. The script says Agatha is 18 years old in this scene, which makes her 348 years old in 2023. But it looks like she hasn't aged a day. Agatha addresses the lady with the brooch as mother. Evanora Harkness was the leader of Salem Coven and the mother of Agatha Harkness. Agatha is accused of stealing knowledge above her age and station and practicing the darkest of magic. Agatha pretends that she is not guilty. When it doesn't work on her mother, Agatha drops the act. She has no remorse for her actions. The witches burn Agatha at the stake, but with magic. She is unable to endure the pain, but something overcomes her. and the purple magic inside of her starts to drain the power of the other witches evanora ascends into the air and blasts agatha with all her power a magical crown appears on her forehead agatha gets rid of her magical ties the other witches can't withstand the power drain and start to wither agatha absorbs the power from other witches and blasts them off with one blow the mother is shocked agatha begs for forgiveness and another chance but her mother doesn't believe her She blasts her, but the power is no match for Agatha. Agatha drains all her mother's power and kills her. She takes her mother's brooch as a souvenir. Agatha and Senor Scratchy speak conspiratorially to each other. Wanda uses her magic to figure Agatha out, but Agatha reveals that it's useless. Wanda asks about her children. Agatha makes fun of how Wanda's Sokovian accent keeps coming and going. These are all Agatha's tactics to distract Wanda. Wanda tries to attack Agatha, but her magic is no good. Agatha waves her hand, ascends Wanda in the air, tying her wrists magically behind her back. Agatha now drags Wanda toward her as Wanda's helpless body dangles in the center of the room. Agatha draws Wanda's attention to the runes and informs her about the basic protection spell. Agatha says, "In a given space, only the witch who casts the runes can use her magic. How do you not know the fundamentals?" I won't be surprised if Wanda uses the same trick to defeat Agatha. Wanda asks, "Who are you?" Agatha replies, "Who are you?" Agatha mocks Wanda's costumes and hairstyles from the various bygone eras because Agatha was patiently waiting for Wanda to reveal her true self. She even confesses about planting fake Pietro using her crystal and possession. But even that didn't work. Necromancy was a non-starter because Wanda's real brother is on a different continent and not to mention full of holes. Necromancy is a form of magic in which a person communicates with the dead. Necromancy is depicted as conjuring up a spirit or temporarily raising the dead. Firstly, Captain America Steve Rogers carried Pietro's dead body back on the shield's helicarrier. 
in the movie Age of Ultron around the two-hour mark, which means the Avengers brought Pietro's body back to the United States. So I don't know what Agatha is referring to. Agatha says, But you are so crippled by your own self-doubt that you believed it. Well, that happens with people when they suffer from anxiety and depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Agatha reveals when she sensed this place, the afterglow of so many spells cast all at once. She couldn't make heads or tails of it. Agatha picks up the cicada and demonstrates mind control and transmutation. When the cicada moves around Wanda's face, the imagery is reminiscent of the Silence of the Lambs poster. Agatha transmutates the cicada into a bird and lets it fly. The bird flies for a bit, but Agatha catches it. She goes on to crush the bird and makes it squeal. It's a metaphor for how Wanda is in Agatha's clutches. Agatha says, Magic on autopilot. What's your secret, sister? Wanda is quiet. Agatha transmutates the bird back into the cicada and feeds it to Senor Scratchy. Agatha needs Wanda to tell her how she managed to pull it all off. Wanda says, I didn't do anything. Agatha slams Wanda like a puppet from one wall to another across her dungeon. Agatha sternly says, I tried to be gentle, to nudge you awake from this ridiculous fantasy. But you'd rather fall apart than face your truth. You left me no choice. What was it that you said to your not-brother? All you could recall was the feeling. You felt empty, alone, endless, nothingness. Let's start there. Agatha plucks a hair strand from Wanda's head. Agatha says, It's been fun playing pretend for a while. The hair strand travels in the air towards an ornate door, magically changing into an apartment door to Wanda's past traumas. Agatha says, It's time to look at some real reruns. From here on, Agatha is the mean therapist to Wanda. Agatha drops Wanda to the ground and makes her take a trip down memory lane. Wanda refuses. Agatha reminds her that she possesses Wanda's kids against their will. Agatha literally opens the door to Wanda's childhood and even comments on the Cold War aesthetic. Wanda enters her Sokovian home. She sees her mother in the kitchen and her father back from work. The father could not sell the bootleg DVDs of sitcoms, the references of which were all featured in the previous episodes. I Love Lucy, The Addams Family, Bewitched, Malcolm in the Middle, I Dream of Jeannie, and Who's the Boss? We learned that the Maximoff family watched these sitcoms to perfect their English. The father calls out to Wanda. Agatha pushes her to take on the role. The camera trolleys around Wanda and when it makes a full circle, we see a younger version of Wanda standing there. Oleg, Wanda's father, asks Wanda to take her pick from the box. But her pick is not in the box. Irina, Wanda's mother, closes Wanda's eyes from behind and kisses her forehead. Indeed, a Sokovian greeting of hospitality. As Vision explained in the first episode, The Dick Van Dyke Show, Season 2, Episode 22. It may look like a walnut. It's actually Episode 20 in the listing on the web, but maybe the numbering on the DVD is different. Irina looks outside the window and sees the military fighting a war amidst the snowing. A bomb drops on the apartment ceiling and explodes. It blows everything up in smoke. The impact sends young Wanda and young Pietro crashing onto the other side. A shocked Wanda stares at the spot where 
where her parents are crushed under the concrete rubble. Pietro rescues Wanda and gets her to hide under the bed. And a second missile lands inside the apartment. It reads, Stark Industries. Now, we've heard this story before in Age of Ultron. Despite knowing what will happen, it leaves a different impact when you see the visuals. The power of a visual story. Like it said in screenwriting, show, don't tell. A red blinking light flashes from the missile. Just like the red blinking light from toast made by Stark Industries in the first episode commercial, young Wanda says, by the end of the episode, they realize it was all a bad dream. None of it was real. Tick, tick. Tick, tick. Wanda extends her hand out to the missile. Agatha pulls Wanda from under the bed and asks if she stopped the missile because Wanda used a probability hex. Wanda says it was defective. It never went off. And they were stuck there for two days. Agatha says, What I see here is a baby witch obsessed with sitcoms and years of therapy ahead of her. Doesn't explain your recent hijinks. Where'd you get the big guns, Wanda? A Hydra facility's industrial and metallic door opens and Wanda doesn't want to go in there. Agatha says, The only way forward is back. It's an observation room with a two-way mirror. We see Loki's scepter housing the Mind Stone and Hydra scientists monitoring from the other side of the glass. The camera pulls back through the mirror and Wanda in her 20s steps into the observation room. The blue gem in the scepter rattles and bursts out from the scepter straight to Wanda, the magnificent blue stone. Wanda looks at it and extends her hand to touch it, but it explodes into the yellow mind stone and Wanda reacts amused. It further explodes into a blinding yellow light. Wanda struggles to look at it. We see a silhouette of a ladylike figure with a crown on her head and the reflection in Wanda's eyes. Once it's over, Wanda faints and falls to the ground. The room is suddenly normal again, as if the Mind Stone never left the scepter. Wanda watches a clip from the Brady Bunch, wherein Cindy plays with her doll. It's the same doll Vision was practicing his diapering skills on. The Hydra scientists and the tech review the footage. One moment Wanda is standing before the scepter, and the next, she's on the ground. Agatha says, Little orphan Wanda got up close and personal with an infinity stone that amplified what otherwise would have died on the wine. The broken pieces of you are adding up, Buttercup. I have a theory, but I need more. The next door opens to Wanda's room inside Avengers facility from Civil War. It's the first home Wanda and Vision ever shared together. Wanda is watching Malcolm in the middle. Vision joins her and they watch the show together. Vision tries to understand the nuances of comedy, as Wanda explains. He also wants to understand what she might be going through because he wants to comfort her. Wanda feels it's like a wave washing over her again and again. It knocks her down and it comes for her again when she tries to stand up. She feels like she's going to drown. A familiar feeling for anyone who's depressed. Vision says, I have always been alone. I don't feel that lack. I have known nothing else. I have never experienced loss because I have never had a loved one to lose. But what is grief if not love persevering? This is the best line of the show. Kudos to Laura Donny for writing it. The beauty of this line also lies in Wanda's reaction. We don't have a close-up shot of Vision delivering this line. It's a two-shot of Wanda and Vision. And it shows how Wanda is picking on the comfort that Vision is extending toward her. Vision has no clue if what he said is going to help Wanda. 
That's why he's still awkward. They watch TV together and Vision laughs. He apologizes because he's not sure whether he should be laughing. Wanda assures Vision that it's funny and it's okay to laugh. Agatha sheds a tear. That stone cold witch sheds a tear. Agatha says, "So to recap, parents dead, brother dead, Vision dead. What happened when he wasn't there to pull you back from the darkness, Wanda?" Wanda says, "I can't do this anymore." Agatha says, Come on Wanda you're on the precipice you are right there how did you do it Agatha comes closer to Wanda and pushes her to reminisce Agatha says vision was gone but you wanted him back Wanda says i wanted him back Wanda charges toward the door that opens into the sword facility. We see a flashback of Wanda pleading with the sword agents to let her see Vision because he deserves a funeral. I don't understand how Vision's body was taken away from Wakanda or from the possession of the Avengers. Didn't they know that Wanda would demand answers when she gets back? Hayward makes a phone call and allows her in. Wanda uses her magic to buzz herself in. It's what we saw in the CCTV footage in episode 5. Wanda charges through the corridors. Two lefts and a right. She reaches an office and the door opens. Hayward introduces himself. Wanda asks if he'll give Vision back to her because she's his next of kin. Hayward shows Vision's body lying on an experiment table with sword agents splicing it as if it was just a bunch of parts put together. Wanda doesn't understand until she sees Vision's face. Hayward says he's dismantling it because not everyone can bring their soulmate back online. Actually, he's counting on it. He wants to use Vision as a weapon. Then the truth comes out when he says he can't give Wanda a 3 billion dollars worth vibranium sentient weapon for burial. This breaks Wanda, so she breaks the glass and glides down to Vision. Hayward's men pull up their guns. But Hayward asks them to stand down. Wanda puts her hand over Vision's forehead like she did in Infinity War, assessing the Mind Stone. Wanda says, "I can't feel you." The exact opposite line from Infinity War. Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely wrote that line in the movie not once but twice, and the parting words of Vision to Wanda were, "I just feel you." We see the big payoff here. Heartbreaking, truly heartbreaking. She leaves the sword facility without Vision's body. That lying Hayward, scum of the earth. Wanda gets back to her car and we see an envelope lying on the passenger seat. She drives up to Westview. Inside Westview from Wanda's point of view, we see the other residents in their real identities, but all are a wee bit broken. Wanda steps inside the plot that Vision bought for the two of them to grow old together in. Wanda holds the property deed that reads a special message from Vision with a heart drawn around it to grow old in love. We tears roll down Wanda's cheeks. Wanda breaks down and the magic inside her explodes, building a home block by block, and then the magic engulfs the entire town, turning it into 50s era. Wanda manifests a living breathing vision from her magic. When Wanda steps in, her outfit changes to 50s era. Vision welcomes Wanda home. They kiss and watch TV together. Wanda now sees the empty couch, lights and cameras on the side. an empty sound stage this feels like wanda's bubble is finally broken agatha is the only audience member she mockingly slow claps agatha disappears using her magic wanda hears her kids voice wanda runs to the stage door pushes it open and the lights spill in 
Agatha is using her magic to strangle Billy and Tommy. Wanda assures her kids that she'll save them. Agatha is in her full witch attire. She tells Wanda, I know who you are. You have no idea how dangerous you are. You're supposed to be a myth, a being capable of spontaneous creation. And here you are using it to make breakfast for dinner. Your children and vision and this whole little life you've made. This is chaos magic, Wanda, and that makes you the Scarlet Witch. The end credit sequence begins. This episode doesn't feature Please Stand By. In the mid credit scene, Hayward uses Wanda's magic from the missile drone of episode 5 to resurrect White Vision or Spectral Vision and succeeds. This is by far my most favorite episode of the entire series. Jack Schaefer, the creator on the show, her entire team of writers, Matt Shackman, the director of the show, they have done an incredible job making this show. You can listen to The Awesome Pod Makes and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. If you like what I'm doing, I'll soon be launching The Awesome Pod Makes page on Patreon and you can support me there. Thanks for listening.